You're listening to the Grieving Mamas Club podcast, a space for moms who are on the wild ride of motherhood while navigating their grief journey. Here are your hosts. I'm Rashida, a motherless mom of a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Yep, that is two under four. And I'm Kara, a motherless mom with a three-year-old, an angel baby, and one on the way. Let's dig in. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 22. Mm-hmm. 22. Yeah. I <laughs> you. Yes. <laughs> so episode 22, we are going to do an episode about anticipatory grief, which I have found out, I guess I would say, I'm not totally sure I knew this was a term, a thing until one of our first episodes when you talked about it, Kara. And it turns out like a lot of listeners felt the same way. Like they didn't know they yeah. people who have lost loved ones to cancer or all, Lord, we know I can't say this word, Alzheimer's. <laughs> yeah, you almost went Alzheimer's on us. I did, Alzheimer's, <laughs> Alzheimer's. Those who like those kinds of things where you, you get the diagnosis and you know that death is imminent, but you there's don't know what to do. Great. Yeah. There's an in-between gray area. So I, I don't know if it's unfortunately or fortunately, I didn't have that. Right. So my mom yeah. died very randomly of a heart attack and it was, she was here one minute gone the next. So like I didn't, Ugh. my grief was very sudden and very like, holy shit, this is the world I'm living in. But you yeah. Kara, I know that your, your story is different. So talk to us about anticipatory grief, what it is, how you found out that's what it is, all of those things. Yeah. So I will say that anticipatory grief and grief there, we experienced one in the same Rashida in that your mom died and that it, it like getting that diagnosis and then finding out your mom died and then also getting a diagnosis. Sorry. Those are two big earth shattering events mm-hmm. in our own worlds. Right. Mm-hmm. So anticipatory grief is grieving the loss of a loved one long before they're actually gone. So when a loved one receives a terminal diagnosis, the grief can begin right there. And then all the feelings and thoughts experienced at this time can be just as intense and difficult as those after a grief. So how does it feel? Emotions are comparable with both types of grief. So anticipatory Mm -hmm. grief and when someone dies grief, 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 but anticipatory grief can be even more of a roller coaster. You might feel very sad on some days and you might experience grief on others. You might even feel guilty over your shifting emotions. So I'm also reading this from something I found on Instagram. Uh, it's called Corazon. I totally butchered that. I have cannot do Spanish. So <laughs> Sorry, I always, I feel like I'm in a very serious conversation. I'm making light and I'm not trying to do that, but Corazon, Corazon counseling. And I feel like they have, they've posted that like really sums up anticipatory grief and everything. So that's what I'm reading from. You might even feel guilty over shifting your emotions. So when my mom, when we found out that my mom had cancer head to toe and that she was immediately going to be on hospice because that was the only option. option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I immediately felt guilty for feeling this, but I was just like, I want to hurry up and get through this. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like the anticipation of relief. You just mm-hmm. want, you feel. And so this was my first time of actually, you know, I had lost a grandparent who I was extremely close to, but now like my mom, you know, my mom mm-hmm. and I were mm-hmm. super duper duper close for 35 years, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I found out that she was going to die. I just wanted to hurry up and get through it. And I didn't realize at that time that grief was going to be the rest of my life. I'm sorry to those who are just finding out that this is it. But as you know, as we always say, there is joy. You will find joy. 
but you think that you're going to be able to get, you think that at this point that grief, that your grief is linear. Mm -hmm. So it's an anticipation of relief. You want them to no longer suffer. You no longer, you don't want to suffer. You don't want to be sad. And you want to kind of move on with the next stages of life. But there's also that guilt of what are they feeling? Oftentimes you may not be able to talk to that person and at that deep of a level and figure out what are they feeling? What are they thinking? Are they scared? Are they ready? Sometimes people are. Anticipatory grief also has some characteristic signs and symptoms that are distinct from normal grief. But in that, which is what I pretty much just covered, it's the anticipation of relief and wondering what the other person is thinking and feeling, what, the, what thoughts are they having? And then, then it's all, and then in turn, if, if you're thinking of those things, you're also feeling the thoughts of sadness, loss, despair for them, because mm-hmm. to come to terms with knowing that you are going to die, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's heavy. It's really fucking I don't to know, know that the you just end have, is like, mm-hmm. yeah, you just have to let go and just trust, just trust and whatever it is. So they go what on to you. So sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. No, I was going to say they go on to like to, to describe distinct symptoms of anticipatory grief mm-hmm. and it's an increased concern for the person dying, imagining or visualizing what the person's death will be like. I remember slightly obsessing over that in hospice. They gave us a book that gave us like the, all the signs and symptoms of like, when you know, death is like, it's approaching, like they have, like, it's going to be any minute, like mm-hmm. what to look for. And so I was like constantly looking for that in my, it wasn't happening with my mom because she, like whatever they did in the ER, they brought that woman back to life mm-hmm. and they gave us two weeks, two extra weeks with her. So it wasn't happening. And so I was added to my anticipatory grief. Cause I was like, well, what the fuck she's supposed to be dying. They told me like, you know, I thought someone was on hospice meant like they were going to die in like 24 hours and mm. that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize also just being an educated in the area and the space, I didn't realize that hospice that you could really maybe be on hospice for longer than that. And then also sometimes people are on hospice more than one time in their life, mm. which I also did not know when the hospice nurse. Said, I don't think I knew that either. Yeah. The hospice nurse was like, well, you know, if, you know, something happens and it doesn't have to be in hospice any longer. And I'm like, what? She's like, yes, we love to hear those cases. And I'm like, no, like, what are you talking about? People can just get off hospice. And she's like, mm-hmm, yep. Oh yeah. I'm like, okay. That didn't, that wasn't in line with my thinking. And that like made me mad and sad too. Cause I was like, no, mm-hmm. my mom is supposed to die. My mom is supposed to die. And you're telling me that there's mm-hmm. a chance that she won't now. Like, what am I supposed to do and with it's all like this? Giving you fucking false hope. Yeah. Yeah. What am I supposed yeah. to do with all this? Yeah. What am I supposed to do with all this? I, am I preparing myself to, for a life without my mom? Okay. I am going to get it together and I'm going to figure that out. So also in preparation, there's getting ready for what life will be like after a loved one is gone. The need to attend unfinished business with a dying person, feelings of both hope and despair. Yeah. So you, you are hoping that there's that relief coming around the corner. And also there's, you're hoping that at this point, maybe like grief is linear. You're thinking like, okay, well, I'm going to move Andrew, on to the were next you, stage. Were you at all? I feel like and it might be different for different people. Like, cause some people, some people have a cancer diagnosis with some themselves or a parent and they get another like two years out of that parent. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have mm-hmm. to assume that at some point you feel hope that maybe your case is the one that's to be right. Sure. Like yours, yours is the one that it's, you're going to, it's going to come back and you're, you're battling. I feel like you've got to be battling that 
the like juxtaposition of like, no, this person is dying, but I can't give up hope that they're dying. Like, you know, like I can't, like, I can't imagine those two feelings up against each other. Yeah. I can only speak for my experience. Mm -hmm. At one point, my mom was really pissed off that my dad was trying to help her come to terms with reality because she, Mm. to her almost to a detriment, was so such a positive thinker that she was like, "You're giving up on me. You're giving." Sorry. Oh, Oh God, that just like. Sorry, and her death. I also forgot to mention that her death anniversary was just on Thursday, so it's still like crush. Um, oh, Kara. Yeah. So to hear, to hear that, and then when to hear her say, "You're giving up on me," and then I was like, "Okay, all right." So this is the mentality because this is the mentality that we need to take. This is what we need to do to move forward. That really fucked with my feelings and emotions too because sure. when she when she came home I we immediately were like oh mom we love you so much you're the best mom you're the best nana we love you and she was like I'm not going anywhere and so we were like mm. oh okay and then you know they hospice offers a lot of services and resources to the dying and to I'm sorry I should say to the patient and to the patient's family in order mm-hmm. to help them cope with what's going on and for to help with a better quality of end of life. And one of those resources is like a reverend and therapist, mm-hmm. so different therapies. And we tried to use as many of those resources as possible, just anything to help us. We're just kind of spinning our wheels. Mm-hmm. And so that's when my, we brought in the reverend and she was like, Jane, you are going to die. And she was like, the fuck I am. So mm. anywho, it was very tough to, to deal with that. And then also, so I was also, I had to go back to work. So that was going to be my question. Yeah. So I, and I remember having to just, I spent, I took like a, a couple of days off work and then, and I was like, all right, I got to go back to work. Cause now we don't know. We had a hospice nurse that would come in once a day and check in and make sure how she's doing. Mm-hmm which is maybe a conversation for another time, but I had no idea. I thought that like when you were on hospice, you would have like a nurse with you 24 seven and you don't. That was, as you just said that I was like, hmm. yeah, like when you have somebody on hospice that, and they're at home, mm-hmm. that responsibility is on you 1000%. And it's mm-hmm. incredibly yeah, hard. So that adds to your layers. Yes. And so that adds to the layers mm-hmm. of stress because you have to take care of this person in every single way physically. So that's very difficult. Then the hospice nurse will come by 15 minutes tops, make sure everything's good. You make sure does she need Wow. Any, yeah. Yeah. That's wildly shocking to me, but okay. Yeah. Take their vitals. Okay. You know, everything's ticking medicine. Okay. Does she need more? Does she not? Does she need different stuff? Like, where are we at? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every time we'd be like, so like, what do you think? what do you think? She's like, ah, she's looking good. And this could go on for months. And we were like, Mm. Oh my God, I have to do this for months. It's, it's so draining. Mm -hmm. Um, which then you probably felt guilt for having that feeling, right? Like, I'm just be like, I'm so tired. I can't like, I don't know what to do in this situation. Like I'm tired for you thinking about it. Right. Like just like the, like, I don't know. Yeah. How could how could I wish wish my mother to die? How could I wish death on somebody? But that's where I was at. Just to make it end, make it stop, so we can get on with the next phase of our life. Mm-hmm. But I also because at the time with, you didn't know that grief was going to be there. wasn't It's like it wasn't like she was going to die, and then like a year after that, you could be like, hell, like, six months. Yeah, I was like, are you know? Yeah, I mean, 
I had never experienced such a profound loss in my life. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, leading up to that, it was just like, yeah, I was really sad. And I, but I would like choose, I would always remember my grandma in like such loving ways. And it would just mm-hmm. like, oh, mom, yeah, we need to pay tribute to grandma in this way. I remember this. And I had never experienced to this magnitude. So how could you wish death on somebody? But it's, you're wanting that relief so badly. And then also you're wanting so badly, like there's the stress for me in particular was a stress of work, having to just go back. I wouldn't have to go to the office because the pandemic had just happened or just started. And so we were working from home, but we didn't know day by day if we we're going to lose our jobs or not. So I kind of think I went on bereavement when my work was doing like a round of layoffs. And mm-hmm. I think that may have saved me. I don't know. No, no I, don't, Kara. I don't know, but either way, maybe, maybe my mom <laughs> saved it. I don't know. She mm-hmm. was just like, no, don't put an X through her name. <laughs> don't put an extra thing to. Yeah. 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 You had like, ugh, there were so many layers to the way that your mom passed away, the state of the world when your mom passed mm-hmm. away, the world was not okay. in general, no, right? No, like, no, by, you were, we were the, collectively grieving. Yeah. Like we hit that eight week mark and we were all like, are you, but like, what is this still? Right. Why are we still here? Right. And so you've got that and, and, and the fear of just not knowing what was happening. Like at that point, people were dying left and right of COVID Mm -hmm. and we were afraid. Like I was afraid. Like I was like, I can't like, yes. Like I, so you're afraid. And then you're mom goes on hospice or has to go to the hospital. You guys can't even go to the hospital with her. Right. I feel like I, yeah, that was part of your, because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So like, there's just, I wouldn't be surprised if you needed therapy for the rest of my life of your life, my friend, my life too. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because there were just, there's, as my mother-in-law would say, it was piling on to an already piled on pile. Your pile was already large and then it just tipped like, yeah. Yeah, it I was. I can't imagine. Yeah. So one of the things I read when I was researching more about anticipatory grief, because I wanted to be more helpful to you in this episode than just going, is that it, because it comes before the actual death, right? And our mm-hmm. society is set up to like give you mm, minimal bereavement days or whatever after someone dies, but it's not necessarily set up for like this scenario. You went back to work, like the mm-hmm. F, like, so mm-hmm. what, how were you, how were you able to juggle that in work? Um, and Ellie was home also, mm-hmm, right? Cause this mm-hmm. is the pandemic. So how were you, I don't, that part is where I'm like, well, maybe I did get the better end of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> not that there's a better, but I mean, like I would not be able to, as Kara and I have mentioned, we work in marketing, right? Yeah. There are times and I, and I, I do love my job and I love working in marketing. I could never be a doctor or like work on the healthcare professional, those people are saints beyond anything I ever am. I love my job. There yeah. are times when I am like, this doesn't matter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, for sure. But it did matter just... a lot because I was afraid of losing my job. I was like, I could mm. be the next one to let go. So yeah, you were just yeah. like, so I got to keep working. I was, I'm in email marketing. It's a fucking email. Like mm-hmm. if it doesn't go out, is it going to be the end of the world? Maybe not. not. Definitely not because they'll mm-hmm. hit their revenue elsewhere. It'll come out, you know, whatever. But I will say for one, I'm glad that we were working from home because I spent a lot of time just absolutely begging, pleading, bawling my eyes out to God and just saying, I guess it was maybe more so that was, de- that definitely happened a lot after she mm-hmm, died. Mm-hmm. My days were mostly spent it, it just at a heavy fog, just really just trying to 
make sure that I was getting my work done and then also having space to be a parent and be Mm -hmm. a wife. And then also I would, I just would leave in the evenings and go spend the evenings over at my parents' house. And we would have dinner over at my parents in whatever way that meant and spending as much time we could with my mom. I knew, I know like towards it got to the point, like maybe in the middle where I was like, okay, I can't keep going over to my parents' house because it was seeming like her health mm-hmm. wasn't declining. So like she was like holding pretty steady. So I was like, okay, I can not, maybe not go over there tonight. And- But then did you feel guilty for that? Oh, immense decision? guilt. I mm-hmm. immense guilt. But I, I instead threw myself into like, Ellie, let's take a bath in the big bathtub and we're going to do a shitload of bubbles and let's bring in all the toys and get your goggles and, you know, like, like just like mm-hmm. really throwing myself into living in the moment with her because she like really saved me too, because she's just so much pure joy and happiness that mm-hmm. it would, it allowed me to escape from that immense sadness and despair that I was experiencing mm-hmm. when I wasn't focusing on her. So yeah, having to just go back to work. I remember, you know, I called my manager and I was like, I don't, my mom's going to the hospital and I don't know if she's going to make it through the weekend. And then I think I took like a Monday and a Tuesday off. And then Wednesday, I was just like, had to go back to work and act like nothing was wrong, essentially. So that sucked. Mm. So I came across anticipatory grief after the fact, after my mom really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Someone reached out to me. My friend, Jamie reached out to me on Instagram. It was after I had posted that my mom had passed. She was like, what you are experiencing, this is going to sound so silly, but at the time I even thought it was silly. Now looking back, I don't. She's like, what you're experiencing is called grief. And I'm like, well, no shit, Sherlock. So she's like, no, I'm really sorry. It's what she's like, look it up, look up what you're experiencing. It's called grief. And I'm like, okay. So it like took me a couple of days and I looked it up and that's where I found out the seven stages or the five, seven, 21, however bajillion, the many different stages of grief. Mm-hmm. So I immediately was thrilled to find that because being able to just start to label the feelings that I was having was mm-hmm. just so monumental in my in healing. Yeah. And knowing that it just like being able to label emotions is so huge. You know, I don't know why, but it, it, it is. is so Because huge. if you think about it, like where we teach our kids to label their emotions, it's almost like once you can claim them, you can understand how to deal with them. Maybe. I don't know. I just yeah. find like in any situation, if I can understand why I'm feeling a certain way, or like if I can name that feeling, understand it, then I can get to the root of it. Not that there's a getting to the root of grief, right? Something about labeling it just feels like I'm tackling it in some way. Right. Yeah. It makes it easier to then understand or yeah, tackle it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So then after digging deeper into those stages, I stumbled across anticipatory grief and I was like, oh my God, that is a hundred percent. I immediately felt so much less guilt because Mm -hmm. I like really struggled with like wishing my mom to just die so we can get it over mm-hmm. with. And and then I was like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Like this is normal. There's mm-hmm. okay. So it just really, it was, it was a very, it really changed things in that perspective with labeling it. So it was helpful. I, I got to imagine you're just so damn tired when you're dealing with anticipatory grief, like when you're dealing with a cancer diagnosis or something like this, where you're just waiting, but you're like, it was stuck. Like you're trying to continue living life. You're wanting them to not like you're wanting them to die. 
not even from a like, so that I can move on, but like, because what you're doing is tiring. The where you are is like physically and mentally exhausting and you've like, you're going to break. Do you know the feeling of, it's a very specific feeling of right before you're going to get into a car accident? No. Okay. You've never been in a car accident? Not like, um, <laughs> whoops. <I've> been... <laughs> <laughs> Just me. <laughs> Just me. Okay. <laughs> no, no. So I have only, I have been like hit, not in a big way. So like I have like someone, I was, yeah. Okay. A little, a little fender bender, if you will. But I, I mean, now that you said that I am thinking about the fender bender I had where a woman hit the back of my car. And this is before I had Dom. I hadn't had Dom either yet, but she hit the back of my car and it's like, I could see it coming. Like I could sense Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. one. Is this what? Okay. I could sense, like I got, I had gotten into the middle of the intersection and I remember saying, Oh, you're going to hit me. You're going to hit me. You're going to hit me. Mm-hmm. And then. It's- so that feeling of you're going to hit me, you're going to hit me, you're going to hit me, that intense anxiety where it's just like your body is just vibrating mm-hmm. at such mm-hmm. a level and not, like not in a good way. You know, you're just bracing for the next step. The impact. That to me is anticipatory grief. And that's what I felt all the time. I was, I was at such a high level of anxiousness that I was just in pure, pure survival mode. And my friend Maggie, who lost her mom to cancer, I saw, I saw her and my friend Sam shortly after, you know, we were just catching up and hanging out having some drinks. And she was the one who was like, she was like, holy shit. She's like, you feel like you're like that feeling right before you're about to get in a car accident. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Uh, again, it was another like aha moment moment for like mm-hmm. labeling my feelings. It is tiring. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so two questions for you. What did you, and the answer might be none because you were tired, like you said, but like, what were some coping mechanisms you used to try to, cause I mean, you were still a mom, right? So like you mm-hmm. still had to keep some resemblance of it together for Ellie. So like, what were some things you did to try to like bring yourself back to center to like, to cope? Yeah. So that scream. Yeah, I, I did. I, I had to let it out. So to not scream walking every day, like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, walking every day and listening to the Heather McMahon podcast. She's a, she is a female comedian. She is, she doesn't know it yet. I've met her once and she doesn't know. And she, <laughs> oh, and she replies to my DMs, not all the time, but I'd say about 80% of the time. And, <laughs> and she doesn't know it yet, but she, we truly are soul sisters, but she, so listening to her, she lost her dad. And so she would just like talk about her dad and and she would talk about him in such a loving, funny way. Like listen up, Heather, you know, like imitate him and remember mm-hmm. all the good things. And then like, also like be very real about like, yeah, I'm part of the dead dad's club and like it fucking mm-hmm. sucks. And, um, just being very real and honest and raw with those emotions, like helped me so immensely, but also she was hilarious. So it was like the closest thing I had to this, mm-hmm. our podcast, the grieving mm-hmm. mama's club. And so, so really that I also turned to drinking a lot, which mm-hmm. was not healthy at all. Obviously it was but summer. I mean, it was summertime. You were it surviving. Was, we were surviving. Like, um, like it's funny that you were like, I also turned to drinking a lot. Like 
Uh, who wasn't drinking? Uh, th- th- well, that's in the other the thing. Spring and summer of 2021. Well, you know what? I have an answer for that. You know who wasn't drinking? Me. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I was pregnant as fuck. <laughs> you know who was drinking? Ben. Uh, yes. Everybody because except Rashida was drinking. girl was pregnant as yes, fuck. Yes. I have an answer for that. <laughs> I know. I asked as soon as I asked, as soon as the question came out of my mouth, I was like, bitch, you. Wait, wait, wait. Let's take a step back here. It was yeah. you. It was my you. uterus was like, it was us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were stressed. We were. Yeah, but no, but literally, <laughs> we were every, like, okay, A, it's summer. People are going to be drinking. You just, you're outside, you're drinking a lot more, more social. Mm-hmm. With the pandemic, everybody is hella drinking. I was never big about drinking. It's still not big about drinking like during the week. I was drinking during the week. And so anyway, we would, we would kind of go on like little like lake trips with family, like Brian's family and it got ugly, but I mm-hmm. wasn't, and I was seeing, so I, I set up, I started seeing a therapist and she started helping me with, it wasn't the cognitive behavioral therapy. It was tapping. Mm-hmm. And so tapping is a form of therapy and you're supposed to imagine a place where you feel safe, a place that brings you happiness. And it could be wherever, any place in the world that you've been or wherever it is. And then you, you can either tap with different, with your two, like you alternate between your two like pointer fingers. So like right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. Or you can tap your shoulders, you cross your arms over your chest, and then you can tap your shoulders, right, left, right, left, right, left. And you're in that space. And so for me, I am on a mountain in Breckenridge. And I remember this very specific, I'm sorry, it wasn't a Breckenridge, it was a steamboat. And so Colorado, and I remember this very specific overlook and I am standing there and I am confident. I am happy. I have a lot of spiritual guidance with me surrounding me. I have my it's turned into, you know, having my babies there with me, my angel mm-hmm. baby included. And that, I don't know why it helps, but it does help. I mean, because it's like the physical of you, like actually doing something. I think that it's like the same thought process as like people who could do walking meditation. I can't do walking meditation, no, but like no. people who can, because they're like physically doing something and then like trying to keep their mind. If you can do those two things at once, then you can't like do other things basically. You yeah. Other stuff in for right. Moment. So I Googled it just so we can, so I can speak correctly on it. So um, tapping draws it's, it's on the ancient Chinese practice of acupuncture, which teaches, mm-hmm. which teaches that the body's energy travels along specific pathways. It's a form of EMDR, which is eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. So it's emotional. It, it, is it a form of tapping is used in EMDR? So anyway, I'm going to stop doing that. And I'm just going to speak to what I know because this is not helping. So anyway, so my therapist um, had me doing a form of EMDR therapy, which was tapping. And that really, it still helps me. It helped me get to a place to understand that I have to feel my feels and Mm -hmm. that way I can move on to the next stage and to have a brighter tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So for coping, not so good things. I was drinking very heavily. I had like a really one really bad episode that really sticks out in my mind and I still had PTSD from it, but like, I didn't like nothing like physically bad happened, mm-hmm. but it was just like, mm-hmm. I was just like really out of my mind, like not good. Mm-hmm. And that was, I was like, well, you know, I kind of need to maybe not do this anymore. Alcoholism does run in my family. So that's something I have to be cognizant of. And I didn't want to go down that path. So I was like, you know, I need to peel this the fuck back because mm-hmm. this is not okay. Movement, healthy, healthier eating. Mm-hmm listening to podcasts, tapping. Those are my coping mechanisms. Crying, crying a yeah. fuckload. 
screaming, yep. crying, getting in your feelings, getting it get out. Get, yeah. Just get in my car and drive and just scream. Mm-hmm. You ever think about <laughs> side note? Do you ever think about like whenever you're having those, the cry scream, like, why? like mm-hmm. when other people can see you, what do you like? You I know, like, I'm like, did they you know she probably. And I think though, because we know what we know about grief or whatever, I think like I would just be like, uh, that girl's going through some shit. Let it out. Sis. Let it yeah, out I would. Sis. I think I would just be like, yeah, been there, bitch. Or, or <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I'm like, oh, sucks to be her. Mm-hmm. Or do you feel, uh, or I'm also hoping that maybe everyone is like, so in their own world and in their own mind. And they're just concentrating on, I got to get from A to B and maybe they're not noticing other people. It could be that too. I've like seen a quote, I'm going to butcher it, or like a theory essentially that like nobody's thinking about you as much as you think they are. So like when you overthink, mm-hmm. when you have a situation with somebody and you're like, they're probably thinking I'm stupid. They're probably thinking about blah, 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 blah. They're probably actually not thinking about you at all. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're dealing with their own life shit. Yeah, exactly. You're just a blip. One more question I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who is listening to this episode? They are in the thick of anticipatory grief. What would you say to them? So cliche, but whatever you're feeling, it's okay. Feel it, try to identify it, and maybe that it will help get you through. It's okay to miss the person who's dying. It's okay to miss them already. And it's okay to want this to be over. It's okay to be, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to want to move on with the next stage. But also I will say, enjoy, enjoy what you have right now because once they're dead, they're fucking dead. And then you don't have this anymore. So hold on to it. It sucks. It's tiring. It's emotionally draining. But once they're gone, they're gone. Ask the questions if you can. Ask what questions you can. Try to be there. Try to be present when you're with them. That's really hard to do because you sometimes can't think of the questions and you aren't yourself. If you can't do that, if you can't be yourself and you can't think of those questions, just try to be present and just be there. And it's okay if you can't do that, any of that. It really is okay. You said earlier... Yeah. Sorry. You said earlier that I just want to make sure we reiterate too that these feelings are all normal. We say this about grief in general, but I personally feel like anticipatory grief is more complicated than grief because the person is still technically here. Right. Mm -hmm. You said once you found out what it was and you were like, wait a minute, those, all those feelings I had were normal. If one person is listening to this and they get to this end of this episode, because we made them shorter. So you should get to the end of this episode. Now, if one person is listening to this, I just want them to know that all of those feelings are normal. There is nothing wrong with you. You are not a bad person. No, you are not a bad person. No, Mm -hmm. you are not a bad person. Relief and dread are very normal to feel and do it in small doses. If you can only be around that person who's, who's dying, if you can only do it in small doses, then you can only do it in small doses. Take care of you. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself. Talk to a therapist. I don't know. And, that, and like, sometimes that sucks too, trying to find one, but that's a whole nother story, mm-hmm. which yeah. we've already covered, but you're going to come out of this and you're going to be okay. Know that too. And we love you. We do. We, we do. We're glad you're here and a part of this community, not under the circumstances, but Grief yeah. is universal. So True. we all have to go through it. It is something better done with people who get it. Amen, sis. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we hit it all. 
And um, I think so. Thank you, Kara, for sharing your heart with us. I know this wasn't an easy show to do. This wasn't an easy ep. So per usual, thank you for getting so vulnerable with us and saying the things that are really in your heart. Because while I know that you and I love to have fun and we love to make light of situations, which we do, that's the whole point of this podcast. I do equally love when we can be vulnerable too, because I think both speak to different people. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And thanks for your support and for your friendship. I know I can always turn to you and this is mm-hmm. so therapeutic. So if for nothing else, if I don't help anybody. Is. Yeah. <laughs> if if it doesn't help anybody, it helped us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang. Thanks so much for listening to the Grieving Mamas Club podcast. When times get tough, just remember you are a badass bee and you got this mama.